Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about the business of sports. I'm Joe Favorito, without my co-host Tom Richardson this week. Tom's off uh, somewhere in the wilds of Washington, I think, doing something this week. So we're going to talk about a topic with a guest today that's really kind of interesting to our audience. Uh, We're always talking about progressive things, first adopters. One of the topics that has come up and we haven't talked about in the podcast in over 80 that we've done, Maurice, correct? Um, is virtual reality, augmented reality, uh, the user experience and how it can be adapted not just to the fan, but to the sports business in general. Our guest today is Jarrett Sims, the president and founder of Monsterful VR. Jarrett, welcome. Hey, Joe. Great to be with you. I'm excited to talk about uh, VR, AR, uh, state of uh, sports uh, technology and how we can, uh, you know, with our product, train hitters to become better and there's so many applications for it right now that uh, it's exciting to be in this space and I'm just excited to be with you right now. What was the question? I don't remember. But anyway, (laughs) um, so let's talk a little bit about your background first. Um, Sitting to my left in this beautiful room, which people won't know, is someone that uh, the New York sports fan and the Seattle sports fan and anyone on NBC Sports Radio would know is your dad, Dave Sims. Um, Dave, say hello. There you go. That's all we need from Dave for this one. Um, but, uh, Jared, you've had a pretty unique background as an entrepreneur, um, and never really, it never really comes up that you're the, fa- the son of Dave Sims really that much because you've really built a business all by your own. So why don't you talk a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are in the VR world? Sure. Uh, it all starts with a viewfinder when I was eight years old, maybe less, and I was uh, looking at Superman and Batman stories, and I wanted to be in the story. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to play against Patrick Ewing, wanted to play against my favorite players. I grew up in New York City and uh, I tell my team I invented VR. Uh, they don't believe me, but I uh, people aren't going to know what a viewfinder is, by the way. But we'll, we'll kind of explain that. Eighties <laughs> so, so. babies that you have some in your yeah. uh, in your yeah. listenership, I'm sure. Uh, so I think, you know, when I was out, uh, that was more 3d though than VR because you were putting the two little images together, right? Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. And I was a, a big enthusiast for Superman, um, maybe more than Jerry Seinfeld. So mm. it was either, can I get in that story or, um, can I, can I play on the Knicks or, you know, against Michael Jordan and, and that sort of thing. And, um, basically I had a, a moment, uh, last year while my dad and my brother and I were having a catch at Safeco field and I decided to move on from, um, the, the, the company that I was at, I was the v, VP of product at an influencer marketing uh, company. So we built a great platform uh, that can show the demographics, uh, psychographics, uh, you know, all sorts of analytics of any influencer and in social media uh, so that, such that you, uh, as a brand or, or an individual small business owner, you can you know, choose the right influencers to uh, promote your product to reach the audience you sought to reach. Where, you know, whereas I'd been in tech and built apps and websites for a number of years, uh, we built something, you know, timing's everything. I think, I think Joe, timing is, uh, is, is really great with uh, where we are right now. Um, I'd built a, an app kind of like, like Snapchat uh, three, four years prior before the front-facing camera on the iPhone. Um, but where we are right now, you know, it's such a, it, with VR, it's, it's, everything's so nascent and the, there's so much money in the space from big players that uh, the technology's advancing so quickly. Um, but I, I was, I, I decided basically that I had to do something that married my love of sports with technology and uh, my background there, um, last year. And we got started with Monsterful and did, you know, two, three months of R and D right away. And, and, and then, you know, started building a great product. So for those who don't know, um, Monsterful VR had a pretty interesting consumer launch with the Detroit Tigers at Comerica Park. 
uh, in September of 2017 uh, that was unbelievably well well received. But before I want to kind of get back to what the differentiator was, mm-hmm. people hear about VR and their eyes kind of glaze over because there are so many companies in the space. Um, it's bulky. It's an individual experience. And Tom, my partner, is not here today. But the biggest thing that he talks about with any kind of new technology is user experience. And one of the complaints with, with a lot of VR products are the, you know, the big glasses. You can't hear anybody. You get dizzy. Um, it's individual. You do it once. You don't have to do it again. But Monsterful and the, the product with the Tigers seems to have changed a little bit of that and really created a new user experience. So you want to talk about Absolutely. just specifically about the Tiger experience, mm-hmm. what that was, kind of the, the unique thing that happened with a guy who happens to be pitching for the Astros now uh, and how that altered the program a little bit. But talk a little bit about the Tigers and how that came about. Uh, so we launched with the Tigers um, September 1st and that very night right before we went live uh, we got a call from uh, Ellen with the Tigers and uh, Mike Healy and and other VPs emailing us uh, and and calling to say you got to take Justin Verlander out of the game Uh, and so so, people were going to hit against Justin Verlander in virtual reality that's right so uh, Justin was uh, I think the guy who was actually going that next day or you know in that series for sure and, um, you know, so we had to call our engineers back home and make sure that we were able to take him out of the game very quickly. Uh, we had Dan Dickerson doing the audio from the Tigers. And uh, one of the lines he says is, now here's a pitch from Justin Verlander himself. Um, and so that had to go. All of the user interface stuff that was in there had to go. Um, but in terms of what you mentioned about the user experience, um, we looked at a lot of different things in the space and saw that otherwise really great products in terms of the UX that a user was um, treated to in, in, in the HMD, in the head-mounted display, um, could be awesome, but uh, a product that was meant for the public could fail or not do as well as it otherwise could have because, you know, it didn't rope people in. It didn't make it truly a social experience. So, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, super bullish as, uh, you know, I'm not breaking any news here. You know, Tim Cook has said this very much the same thing about uh, – you know, augmented reality being being the future. Uh, and it's just uh, one step away as far as where VR is to, you know, augmented reality. And uh, for us, as we entered uh, Comerica Park, the most important thing for us was to make sure that everybody in the concourse, we were under the Pepsi porch. We wanted to make sure that everybody who walked by was able to see the product and engage with it in some way. Um, and so we had cameras, or rather uh, TV screens, showing uh, the pitcher on the mound, big 75-inch screen in front of the uh, player, uh, showing that uh, pitching motion and everything, so everybody can react along to it, and uh, and then a TV screen, multiple at the top, showing leaderboards. And I mean, we had people wait in line for four four innings, adults, uh, mm-hmm. to be able to play. And so it was it was really thrilling to see the product uh, succeed that way. And I think a lot of it had to do with we have a great team, but also we did we did some testing and had had uh, locked in minor league teams actually before before going to the Tigers. So. so- before we leave that and talk about your other, the other piece, and I want to talk about entrepreneurship and, and how you raise money and some of the other things that you do, um, you talk about the, the marriage of VR and AR, and sports is a, an, AR, uh, an AR experience because it's communal. And I've seen things that Microsoft has talked about with the NFL where you're sitting around a table almost like in Star Wars with a virtual chessboard, and you, know, you can follow things 360. It seems like what you've tried to do with Monsterful, because you can play, ideally, against other people in other cities in a cloud system, mm-hmm. and your, your friends can either be p- 
pitching to you. You can be hitting off of them. You can both be hitting off of a major league, the, the image of an avatar of a major league pitcher with the ball actually spinning. So how does that kind of morph the VR to AR experience where it makes it not just you standing there with a clunky headset looking silly? So one of the things that I love is, you know, we're moving towards minority report or, you know, any, any number of things where, you know, augmented reality has been depicted uh, in film. And I think that uh, things like the Microsoft HoloLens and their next version of what uh, they're doing there is, is super interesting. Um, in terms of, you know, where, where our product is, we focused on making sure that, you know, you and I both want to hit Kershaw, but maybe right now you could be in St. Louis and I'm in New York. Um, that's, uh, that's the product that uh, sort of we're, we're finalizing right now, and I'm, I couldn't be more thrilled about that um, just because of the competitive aspect of it. Um, so between you know, where, where we are and where we're going, I think augmented reality certainly plays a, a huge role uh, in that, and that's something that uh, you know, as, as we get a little bit closer, um, I can talk about more. Sure. But, you know, for, for, for right now, I mean, I, I'm, I'm thrilled about the competitive aspect of it and sort of how it connects with uh, other, other spaces like, you know, you look at what Fan, FanDuel and DraftKings have, have done to energize, um, mm-hmm. you know, fantasy sports. And from the standpoint of you being the player in our Play the Pros product, um, this not just being with baseball, but other, other products, other sports uh, that we're uh, readying right now, that's, that's something that we look to as kind of a guide also so that you can bet against and, and, and play against your friends. Uh, even to the point where, uh, where where my dad sitting with us right now would be able to bet on who which of us might be able to score more points. So there's that given. B word, the bet word. So, <laughs> so, so. Um, is that off? Is that off limits? The no, betting? no, no. Do, Nothing do we is talk off betting. Limits. Okay. No, you okay, can good. curse. You can do whatever you want on this. It's fine. Fuck yeah. That. Um, um, so, so that's the one side, the consumer side. Yep. And then recently, you actually had an announcement on the training side, which, again, there's been lots of talk, and we've seen stuff with Striver VR and some of the other companies, uh, with especially in football. Mm-hmm. But you've kind of come up with an interesting partner and an interesting opportunity to really train young baseball players who may be on their way to Major League Baseball, in addition to this being kind of a, a fun thing to do. Talk a little bit about that. Sure. I, I think the most exciting thing is to connect the entire ecosystem. So we're talking to major league baseball teams um, right now, and they're very excited about our product and the fact that we can uh, allow hitters to look at uh, those that they're going to face, pitchers they're going to face in upcoming matchups. Uh, certainly for preparation, that's a, an amazing thing that you know, uh, some of the Astros players after facing uh, Kershaw in, in game one talk about how you couldn't prepare for that hitch. Uh, the fact that he, you know, hides the ball and it's so few pitchers, you know, are able to, or, or do, just do that. And so that's something that, you know, using our product, you'd be able to prepare for him in a way that you otherwise couldn't. And then how is that going to prepare for young, for young players, the new, the new product? That sure, you just sure, sure, sure. So, so as, as I was saying, to, to connect the entire ecosystem, we want to work at the MLB level as well as uh, academies around the globe. So we just uh, formed a partnership with Program 15 and the New Balance Future Star Series, which is tremendous for us. Uh, so it gives us access to blue chip players all across the globe. We're talking about Canada, Mexico, US, Dominican Republic, China. Um, and so I was down there at, uh, you know, it was uh, international week in Houston with our partner, uh, Jeremy Booth, who's come on board as an advisor as well. Um, and we saw, you know, hitters that are destined for, you know, the second round of, uh, of, the, of the MLB draft, a guy like 
uh, a, a Sean, a Sean Gilby, who I think is a name that uh, a lot of people are going to see. He was able to jump into our product into Ribby VR and he was raking. Um, he had that day hit three home runs. Um, and then, you know, it was, uh, it was amazing to see that the best player, one of the best players there did the best in our product. Hmm. You know, it was uh, just a sign that it, uh, that it works. Um, but he, he uh, attributes some of the success that he's had, you know, recently thereafter to what he saw of some of the major league pitchers that he faced uh, in our game. And so to connect the entire ecosystem so that such that uh, MLB scouts, uh, scouting departments, analytics departments can look at those on the rise and as well as, you know, in, in their minor league system uh, and, and thousands of new data points that you can get from new at-bats. Um, you know, to tie it all together, that the data and analytics that we're offering, I think it's it's truly compelling and it's going to change the game. And it's all it could all be cloud based. So, like sure. scouting systems are done now, um, you could have scouts in the Dominican or wherever with a setup testing things, and you could have your home scout, you know, sitting at City Field or Yankee Stadium collecting the data and then being able to compare it in real time to what's going on. Correct. That's absolutely right. So can, compare it against your peers, um, others, you know, who play the same position or, you know, are similar build or also right-handed power hitters or uh, any, any number of things and be able to project out and use the system in order to, you know, apply their, their assumptions such that they can, you know, you know see, see where a guy's headed and uh, make actionable decisions based on that intel. So one of the things I heard um, from my buddy Ron Colangelo at the Tigers was when he got in the, the – the cage to hit mm -hmm. um, that he really felt like he was on the field of Comerica Park. So how are you able to bring that kind of esoteric feel of what a stadium actually looks, feels, not really smells, but is like That's, that might be coming so, soon. But, yeah. <laughs> but how, so how does that work? Is it all based on the video that's already been shot? So you actually feel like you're standing at home plate? Uh, yeah. I mean, so we have uh, a tremendous team. So we, we have uh, designers uh, who we were pouring over different pieces of footage. Um, we worked with the ball club in terms of getting, uh, you know, very high definition images from them. And uh, that process of recreating Comerica Park was a, was a fun one uh, for, for our designers. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things actually, oddly enough, I don't know, this is a little bit of a memory thing, but if uh, for all the gamers out there like uh, like Maurice, I mean, when you can actually store something in memory, if you've played, say, Halo or Call of Duty and you've played a certain level a bajillion times and you want to remember something, you can actually in, envision that, that, that one part of that level and then store a, uh, hey, I want to remember my keys are here or a certain verse um, that you want to recall. So anyway, our designers... Um, have at this point firmly imprinted in their minds Comerica Park and every every nook and cranny of it. But uh, it was a fun process to create that. And that can be replicated virtually at any partner ballpark in any sport or any arena that you have, correct? That's right. That's right. Um, what are some of the barriers that you found, at least at this point, in terms of the user experience that you haven't been able to overcome and how will they be overcome? That's a really good question. So, That's why I asked it. <laughs> my man. Uh, well, I'd say that like first thing we wanted to optimize like swing tracking and we did a, a good job of that. So, we, so we, we overcame that one just in terms of the latency that some people can uh, tend to experience. Um, you know, uh, the same things that, you know, for our game, whether it's a, another sports, a VR sports game or training product or anything in VR, um, you know, different uh, developers are trying to overcome essentially the same couple things. So one of them is uh, frame rate. You want to be operating at, a, at, a, at such a way that mimics 
um, reality such that uh, you don't experience that, that nausea that some people mm -hmm. purport to. In our case, um, that wasn't an issue whatsoever. So we'd had people who thought that they would be, um, or who were nervous getting into uh, the headset uh, because of what they'd heard about VR were delightfully kind of surprised when, when you know, they, they dropped that very quickly and then were just looking around at the, the settings and then experiencing the game. Uh, but beyond frame rate, there's a field of view. So when, when you talk about, I mean, your question being something that we hadn't overcome, um, I would say uh, field of view is just uh, based on the hardware that we were using, which was the HTC Vive. Uh, our product, though, is uh, device agnostic, so we can run it on Oculus, um, you know, any, anything that's out there for the most part based on how we built it. Um, but uh, the, the Vive, I mean, for as great as it is, it's a limited field of view. So out of the periphery, you're not able to see everything with the kind of resolution uh, or clarity that you might want to. So uh, we're actually, you know, I, I, we're testing with a number of different headsets that aren't ready for consumers that we've been given dev, uh, dev versions of. Um, and we're, you know, we're really pumped about sort of where that's going and what it's going to be able to do for our product in terms of being able to see, um, you know, if you, if you don't have an open stance like a guy like Ian Kinsler, you know, he was able to see, you know, a picture with a lot of, a lot of clarity because he's looking dead in the center of those lenses uh, versus a guy who has a, you know, doesn't have that same stance. It might not be as clear out of the periphery. Um, and so we've actually taken apart tons of different headsets, but we're, we're testing always using the latest and greatest and are kind of even, you know, tweaking the hardware to our own needs a little bit too. So I think as uh, time goes on, it's uh, going to make a lot of, a lot of sense um, going forward for, you know, uh, the, the evolution of, of uh, the hardware just to, to implement that as, as fast as we can. Mm -hmm. What about um, the mobile environment? Is there, will there be an adaptation for the mobile environment for, for AR, VR, and how far away do you think that is? I think that's, that's ultimately where it's, where it's going. Um, so there's a lot that uh, when you read the news about uh, the different players in the space, hardware uh, makers, what they're doing, um, HTC just getting an influx of a, a ton of money right now to double down on VR, um, the next uh, version of what they're coming out with is going to be wireless. Um, so I think, you know, wi wireless is the next step. And then um, thereafter, I mean, it's, it's, it's mobile. Um, mm. And uh, augmented reality alongside it is always going to be kind of uh, maturing and evolving. Um, but I think that uh, to be able to ultimately slip in, uh, that everybody has an iPhone or an Android device. You know, Windows Phone is, uh, I think, just died, you know, uh, recently, mm -hmm. an official death. But uh, the the idea that uh, you'd be able to just take your phone and that's the mechanism for you to be able to experience a product like ours, um, that's amazing. Because in terms of the reach that we're able to then experience, um, you know, I, I, I can't wait till we get there. Uh, but I think mobile is ultimately is, is the place where, where this is going from a VR perspective. Um, and augmented reality is the same deal until... Um, you know, I remember the first augmented reality uh, sort of app I experienced was holding my phone up against a vitamin water bottle and Shaquille O'Neal popping up out of the top wow. of it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I thought that was amazing at the time. And, you know, since since then, there's there's been a ton of things that have been useful, not so useful, fun. Um, but it's, it's really just a matter of, uh, you know, I, I had a long conversation with uh, with with a, a friend uh, from VR World about this, uh, who's the head of business development, uh, Jonathan there. We're actually in incorporating, by the way, as, a, as an aside, their queuing system uh, into, our, uh, into our product that's going to be at Comerica Park and other, other locations. And, and VR World is like a arcade for VR, correct? Absolutely. So they're right. one of the best uh, in, in the business. They're located here in New York City, their headquarters, but mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm sure they'll be coming to, based on where your listeners are, you mm -hmm. know, a city near you. 
Um, but uh, the queuing system that they have is, is really awesome for us to be able to allow a fan, uh, kind of going back to the play the pros experience, to uh, sign up and, and not have to wait that four inning wait that they did at Comerica Park, which was awesome for the intense interest that we had. But uh, I think we'll, we'll really smooth things out in the, uh, in the future. Um, but, but he and I were talk, chatting about, uh, you know, this is going to you know, eventually be the place of you know, contact lenses and, you know, the augmented reality, different things uh, as far as the interface overlaid on, on top of your field of view. So I, we're a long way away from that. But, I mean, right. I think that, you know, that's, that's eventually where this but is But Google going. Glasses were the first time, try for that, and obviously it didn't right. work because they were way ahead of their time. But the Timing. Timing yeah. is so much of it. And I think just, um, you know, you can argue that the way they rolled it out, they right. had a – a small cadre of people who other people reacted negatively against and mm. how, uh, every, you know, folks thought very highly of themselves. If they yep. had a, they, there was a name for it. Uh, since you said I can curse, I mean, you, you probably know the name. It was glass holes. Yep. Um, although, uh, listen, I, I, I wanted one and, and definitely tried it out when I had an opportunity, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's more so than anything. It's what you said. It's timing. I mm-hmm. mean, cause I think, uh, there's, there's going to be, it's going to show its face again as far as what Google, what Google did with Glass, and I'm sure they're working on something cool. Before we get to the, the entrepreneurship questions, one other thing you touched on with VR World. Uh, we're in the middle of October, and, and on the way up here in the elevator, actually, on the screen, there was a note about, I guess Time Magazine has done a story on malls. Mm-hmm. And there is data now that says that 80% of malls in the United States as we know it now will be out of existence by 2022. Um, That's not how, that far off no. either. Yeah. However, one of the things that has come up are the alternate opportunities for malls to be central sure. points of you know bigger versions of Starbucks. For sure. So I would imagine a VR world or these type of things that are cloud-based could play into that at some point for mall, mall owners. Or a monsterful VR. Or monsterful VR, correct. Um, so we... <laughs> we uh, actually, I'll tell you what. I mean, so I just had a, a daughter and uh, for... You know, a short few weeks we stayed with my in-laws in Long Island. A real daughter, not a virtual one. That's that <laughs> very true. Yeah. Uh, and um, you know, she she poops like a real daughter, a real mm. the real thing too. So uh, uh, I was going to say kind of augmented reality. <laughs> that I'm sure in some form or another. Uh, let's keep going. So we'll keep going. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so listen. So I I saw something that was really cool at um, the Broadway Mall in Long Island. Um, mm-hmm. The Mall there was not very well populated prior to a company called Round One, a Japanese company that uh, comes into you know spaces just like the Broadway Mall and revitalizes them because they know that experiential is the way of the future and a way to re- re-engage a, a community uh, in a mall. So it was you know pretty dark uh, one week and then the next, as soon as it opened, uh, the mall was again like the happening place. So it was very cool. So. Uh, awesome to see, and you see VR coming into uh, into play in a, in a big way uh, in malls. With you know some of these experiences that I've seen thus far are passive, um, which is cool. Like you can ride a roller coaster. Uh, what separates us is that it's um, totally immersive, like that is, but it's uh, it's an active experience. It's not a one time thing. You can keep going back and have a different experience every time, as opposed to sitting. You know the the image of oh, there'll be 3 million people in China sitting courtside trying to watch LeBron James. Sure. That's kind of a, that, that's not a communal experience. And frankly, it's not real because you're not impacting. This is something that you, you can actually have an impact in. You can have a, a definite impact in and based on um, gamified, sort of the way we've gamified it is really fun because like you said, it's different every time, but you're also rewarded points based on your performance. So mm-hmm. one of the ideas is we've tied in 
uh, brands uh, in a big way that they can interact with consumers and gives them another touch point that you know hasn't really existed uh, in the way we're offering or that VR can offer just in general. So uh, how, how would a brand how would a brand be involved? Uh, so you know the, the likes of a of a Pepsi. Um, you know you can go go down the list of different categories: insurance companies, bank uh, bank companies. Um, what we can do is tailor uh, the experience such that uh, you know if it's I'll give you a quick example, like if it's Tropicana, you'd see a an orange coming down the pike if you're looking dead red for a fastball, and then when you hit it, it explodes into uh, to orange juice. Now that mm-hmm. might be something that is appealing to a, a Tropicana, a Minute Maid, um, and so we've kind of we're working on some customizations like that certainly for for clients that uh, we're working with, um, and then certainly tying the physical with uh, the digital, we want to uh, be able to. Uh, provide a really fun experience where you're able to be rewarded from brands in a unique uh, way that really feels organic to their brand um, in terms of how it's integrated in-game as well as into the physical installation that we have. So it could be something like, you know, when you see in the World Series, Taco Bell now giving away the free taco for the stolen base. There's something that you could do where it's you're going and redeeming something at, you know, some other consumer brand. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and one of the cool things uh, our CTO, uh, Jake Lehigh, and I worked out was uh, an experience in terms of bank uh, companies where you'd get a turn of the vault at the back of the installation uh, if you were to you know, share one of uh, the shareable items from, from our unit uh, to social media. Um, it's highly shareable, by the way, our Play the Pros product in the sense that it's not just the game itself. There's mm-hmm. so much more going on. So that's what really differentiates us from you know a lot of uh, the others in the space that you that you alluded to before, at least from an entertainment standpoint. Uh, but to be able to go and, and get a turn of the vault uh, at the back of the unit and see uh, what did I win? Maybe it's nothing. It's kind of like a fortune cookie. What did right. I win? Maybe I got ten percent off. Something Monty hot Hall, dog. the late Monty Hall would have loved. So let's okay. make a deal. Okay. You have no there idea what I'm talking That's... about. So anyway, <laughs> um, so the last couple questions putting your entrepreneur hat on and we have a lot of young people who are always looking for advice uh, as an entrepreneur, how hard was it for, to raise money for this? Uh, where did you find some of the funding for this? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second question is what is the advice that you give young people trying to get into an entrepreneurial space? Sure. Uh, so going in order, um, I think you'd said where, where did we raise money? Yeah. And how did you do and that? How? So, um, you know, we, we, we have a bunch of great advisors um, that uh, I, would, I would say gave us a, a ton of great insight as to sort of how to approach uh, the fundraise. Um, and so we targeted the right angels. Uh, I think, you know, this kind of goes to the, the other question of, of advice, but uh, give, give it to you all in one. I think it's important to load up your cap table with the right investors. Um, that's super important because of sort of the strategic value add that the right people can, you know, uh, really deliver beyond just the the capital. Certainly, the capital is at a certain point is important to just get the business rolling, get it up and up and running. Um, but uh, when when you find the right people, there can be that force multiplier effect that uh, I think is is has really helped us. So mm-hmm. that'd be one piece of advice that I have for entrepreneurs, anybody starting something new. Um, and then you know we uh, it, it, otherwise it's it's just hustle. It's not really a, a mystery in terms of you know if you target the right folks. Um, Showing up is important. Yeah. But then, and what advice do you give to young people looking to get involved in, in any kind of entrepreneurial space? I would say just expose yourself to everything. Um, I've done 
a variety of things that uh, have taught me and helped me in what I'm working on right now with Monsterful. And where, where did you go to school, by the way? I went to uh, Riverdale uh, in the Bronx for high school and George Washington uh, for college. The Colonials. That's right. That's right. Did any of the things that you learned there help you today? I was, uh, you know, I was I was destined to be an English major there. Uh, so no. <laughs> Good. Okay. We find uh, that a lot, as a matter of fact, Maurice. I think we do. So, um, so, but, so the advice would be to to people looking to just it just. Of- I mean, hustle is like a completely cliche thing, but it's 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 the truth. Um, so, uh, I think that uh, the real thing is to expose yourself to everything because mm-hmm. you never know when something's going to you know jump to the front of your mind or be of service, or you'll have experienced something that you can call upon to help you. So. I mean, I'm uh, a full-stack web developer, so I learned how to code after having a horrible experience with some developers that tried to, and you said I can curse, so they tried to fuck me, so I decided, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to learn how to do this myself so that never happens again. Um, and Great. so that uh, was something that was immensely helpful um, because even though I'm not coding this project right now, I'm not writing any code, I know what you literally speak the language. I speak the language. I know what our engineers are doing, and it's immensely helpful, uh, especially just in the respect that uh, engineers give you when you can speak their language. Um, But then also when I can sort of look over their shoulder and see what's going on, that's that's helpful. It's like ordering in French from a French menu in Paris. All of a sudden, you get a little bit of street cred. There you go. Exactly. Um, And so I I feel like uh, that that was one thing that helped. And in terms of exposing, you know, yourself, I'd say also just, you know, built a number of, of mobile apps and and you know. For us, as we approach this next step of uh, everything being cloud-based, um, now that we've con- conquered a, a, a few different frontiers uh, to date, uh, you know, I've I've done some of these things myself in building out projects. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's great to have that sense and be able to talk timeline with our developers. But, you know, to make a long story short, I'd say there's a host of other things that have really helped that uh, I'd expose myself to over time. Some for better, some for worse. But, you know, that that's at the end of the day the, the advice and. Uh, that that quote, by the way, is eighty percent of success is uh, is just showing up. There you go. Is that, is that Groucho Marx? I don't know, but it doesn't matter. We'll give it to Groucho for today. Okay. Um, and then, lastly, where do you? How do you stay up to date with everything that's going on? What sites do you go to? Are there things you read? Where sure. would you direct people? Um, so, I mean, actually, the the site I read most is bleedinggreennation.com. dot com. Um, there's a, there's a little throw. Explain that a little bit. Uh, Sure. So my dad is from Philly, and like most sports fans, you know, I I chose the team I grew up watching and that my dad loved. So uh, I watched uh, a lot of of Eagles games. My my grandfather. It's a good year to be an Eagles fan so far. Heck, yeah. Heck, yeah. You're damn right about that. It's been a lot of fun watching. I hope everybody stays healthy. Um, Everybody everybody who's left stays healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, But – Pop Sims, my grandfather, had season tickets. He was one of the, the most awesome people to ever live on, on earth. And, uh, you know, so, so, I, so I love the Eagles. But I, so I check in on Bleeding Green Nation for Eagles news. But other than that, Upload VR um, and, uh, you know, a bunch of other things, VR Scout and just all the different, you mm-hmm. know, uh, publications in that space. But gen- generally, I, I mean, I read everything from The Atlantic and, uh, the Verge and these sites that are some politics, tech, uh, more broadly than just VR. I try and read as much as I can uh, to, to keep a broad base of knowledge. And then lastly, where can people find out more about Monsterful VR at this point? Sure. Uh, so we have a number of uh, things I'm excited about in the in the pike that uh, you know we'll be announcing soon. But uh, you can go to monstrefulvr.com. That's spelled M-O-N-S-T-E-R-F-U-L. 
vr.com um sort of uh show some of the things that uh we've accomplished to date some of the things that are upcoming um and uh you know we'll we'll, we'll be out in the news thanks to a couple smart and very connected people i know Schmucks. you may know you yeah. know <laughs> you may know some of them okay <laughs> jared sims monsterful vr thanks again for joining us joe thank you so much appreciate what? it Once again, this has been The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Favorito. For my co-host, the absentee Tom Richardson this week, we'll see you down the line. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast. I'm Tom Richardson, and my co-host is Joe Favorito. Our production assistant this week is Columbia student Reese Eisenman. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple's podcast app, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and other key platforms. You can also find it at blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Cusp Show. And you can get in touch with us on Twitter at CU underscore SPS underscore sports. Also, you can find out more about our program, the Columbia University Sports Management Program, by going online at sps.columbia.edu forward slash sports hyphen management. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time.